Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us again to talk about the Victory Show, or maybe that's what I'm calling it. It's possibly not really about that. But, hey, Melbourne Victory had a massive win over Melbourne City this round. Terrific result for Victory. Asks a lot of questions for City. By round three, you kind of see that um, things are happening. So to talk about all the things that are happening, I've got kind of like an awesome foursome, if you include me, that's only seen one game. But we've got Dale Molly for the first time that you and I have been on the same pod, I think, because we've been tag teaming. And we've got Eric as well. So welcome, everyone. Dale, did you see every match? I saw portions of every match. Uh, The City victory game was, oh, it was a bit of a bin fire, but it was very (laughs) pleasant to watch. (laughs) It was like watching a flaming train going down the tracks and just knowing but nothing good was coming from it. <laughs> Molly, you've been working hard and sometimes you watch these things on delay. How many have you watched so far and what's left for you to watch during the week? This weekend was beautiful because I had it all off. So I just spent my weekend glued to the couch watching W League games and there were bangers of goals. So it was just totally worth every second of it. I'm looking forward to hearing all Molly's thoughts and saves of the round. Been a bit of a different round than round one where I think there were um, heaps of saves. It's it's getting fewer and further between at the moment. And then we've got Eric as well. Eric, did you have a fantastic weekend looking at all of these? And how, how locked down are you at the moment? Um, I think the biggest lockdown is just my own personality. But I did get my unwillingness to leave the house. I did get up to Newcastle. <laughs> Uh, for, uh, for the Friday game between the Jets and Sydney FC, thanks to a very generous boss. But, um, and I, well, my concentration is what it is, but I did, I was at least in the same room as a TV showing the game if I was not at the ground. So I, I think I'm relatively okay to discuss all four games. Terrific. Well, we've got um, three amazing co-hosts with me here trying to steer the ship with, without having seen too many games because I've been moving house. And what a great amount of fun that has been. But let's move on. This is the first time, so round three is the first time that we've actually had four games. The other couple of rounds have only been three, so plenty of football. And I was surprised that we had one Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so nice and spread out for everyone. Just quickly whiz through the results and we'll get into more detail. But it was a draw between Brisbane and Canberra. I can't remember what any of us picked. So we'll just move on quietly from that. Newcastle United went down 2-1 to Sydney. Adelaide took the points against Perth 1-0. And then Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory. Pretty sure I was split in my heart and head on this one. But the, um, the heart won. 6-0. And when I say the heart, I mean my heart, Melbourne victory, not the old Melbourne city, Melbourne heart. Um, Yeah. So that's the, that's the quick overview. I think before we maybe go into the wrap of the games, I just wanted to get thoughts on the COVID situation around the grounds. And I think one of the key things that came up was with the match between Brisbane and Canberra United, that Canberra came home and, and I think they were supposed to be in isolation or quarantine for a little bit. News came out today that all is well. So any updates or thoughts on that from you, Dale? Uh, yeah. So as you were saying, the story went that um, Canberra were up in, well, the Canberra team were up in Brisbane on the 7th, which was one of the days that they were meant to be quarantining. Uh, or people who had been in in southeast Queensland were meant to be 
coming back in in New South Wales. We're meant to be quarantining. Um, so they would have flown back in on, I believe, the Friday. Uh, and then they quarantined up until today. They were released out of quarantine today. Um, they had been good little girls and boys. Um, so the teacher let them out early. Um, but yeah, as, as you said, no, no cases that I'm aware of in, in South East Queensland at the moment. Um, so the ACT officially took them off the, the naughty list um, for COVID. So there were, if, if you follow any of the players <laughs> on social media, uh, I did enjoy goalkeeping coach Chantel Jones running around with her very large golden retriever uh, in the park celebrating her newfound freedom. But yeah, as you said, um, it, it, this, the, the newest outbreak really did worry me. Um, about kind of COVID restrictions going forward. But I think this is like as normal as we're going to get at this point. Yep. And I, I think the other point to note is the challenge of those ongoing border closures to the games yeah. that we've got for the future, in particular when we're talking about the West Coast and, and talking about Perth. So, Eric, I don't know if you can share your thoughts on Alex Parker's had his first game um, and then, you know, what it looks like for them so far, having been in round three and he's just had the one game and how you actually think Perth are going to continue throughout the season if these lockdowns continue or not lockdowns, but um, their own border closure. I think that's the Western Australia border closures might be the biggest impediment or probably will be to their ongoing development as a squad. They... Um, well, there were some promising signs in, at Martin Sports Complex or Mars Sports Complex, whatever it's called. Uh, that's a team that's desperately in need of games, but it's unfortunate that things outside their control will, at the very least, I think, make it difficult for them to play games. They do have a quick turnaround, so they're playing Adelaide again on Thursday night, and that's good for them, I think, especially after a loss, which I'm sure we'll get to. I mean, the, the, every player says that the thing you want to do after a loss is play again as quickly as possible just to, you know, Right, right things, get it out of their system. But I think certainly Alex is a man, and I know him pretty well. I think he, he loves a challenge, and this is definitely one of those. Yeah, and I think that would be something that Melbourne City would be looking at as well for a completely different reason, so not to do with COVID, but just to do with their own form to get some more games out there to see how they can gel a little bit more. The other thing in relation to COVID was... And I can't remember, I did have a little sticky beak, but I couldn't find the details. But for the match between Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory, it was the first time in quite a while that we've seen two of the officials were, were men and they did a great job, no challenge whatsoever. But I think in the W League, it's, traditionally, it's been so often that we've had women refereeing the matches. So for that one, we had the, the referee was a guy and then the fourth official was a guy as well. So the referee availability becomes a little bit more challenging if um, refs have been allocated to games, but then they can't travel if there's a border closure. And there's also been a couple of injuries that I'm aware of as well. So Molly, I don't know your thoughts on, is there a way that we can look at this referee availability differently and with how quickly the, the fixtures are changing right now, the impacts of that? Uh, yeah, I think um, that is a difficult one. You know, um, it was definitely different to look at uh, when the players were lining up and you had two two men there compared to normally. It's it's all women, particularly. I think in Melbourne, you've you've grown some great referees referees out there. So um, I think you know it depends on whether you need deeper pools or whether you draw from. 
um, where the pathway is. So do we have to look at the referee pathways and close that gap between, you know, your, your high NPL refs and your, and your W league, you know, is that gap too big? Are we, do we have to do something there? Do we have to do more development? So they are there to, to fill in when, when necessary. But I think it's, it's probably uh, also goes into being a professional. Um, I think, you know, with, with soccer, at least with, with players, they're paid that bit more. They've got that bit more professionalism. They're guaranteed games every week and all that sort of stuff. Whilst I think a referee, you know, you can go a few, few rounds without a game quite easily, especially if they're not in your home hometown. So I think it's a lot of a lot of things that could be looked at, and whether it was COVID or not, it's probably things we should be thinking about and talking about, and trying to make sure that they're as good as possible, so we can have great referees in the W League. Yep, and if this is as Dale said, pretty much the most normal that we're going to get at the at this point in time, or potentially through the season, it's something that we need to look at. So, or not necessarily we need to look at, but I'm sure Football Australia and the um, the new leagues group will be looking into that as well. Um, one other thing which I have started tracking as well, because I think it's been pretty interesting, and we talked about it last time on the pod as well, is just the crowd. So I think the crowds have been really pretty good around Sydney, New South Wales, which is kind of interesting given that they've been under more scrutiny for COVID restrictions and whatnot at the moment, but maybe people are desperate to get out. But there was on average 1,200 1,242 people at across the four games, although I didn't get a number for Adelaide United against Perth Glory, so that might bring the number down a little Their bit. Their crowd well. looked really good, I've got to say, um, considering they haven't... I, I'm not, Again, I'm not sure what the number is, but from what I saw, it was good to see a lot of people at, uh, at Martin. Um, like, it's a ground that they've made their own, but it was... Yeah, the crowd looked quite good from what I can what I could see at least. So what I'll try and do maybe is start getting some of the media watch numbers as well, because the broadcasting has been really good. And I, you know, I, I think a lot of us re- rely on the broadcasting quite a lot. Molly in particular, because you're not traveling to the games as much as you would have done last season. I can't remember how many games you went to. It's probably easier to count how many you missed, but yeah. So the broadcasting with KO or ABC or Foxtel or the My Football app, plenty of options there. So that's been pretty good. Let me stop waffling about crowd numbers, even though they are pretty exciting. Goal of the round, I'm going to make it easier on myself at least because I only saw the one game. But I think for me, Lisa Devanna's solo run was definitely definitely worthy of being discussed as you know a, a full goal. You know, she's created the opportunity herself. She's taken it on a run. She's beaten a couple of players. And then she's beaten Tegan Micah in goal as well. So I think for her in, you know, her whole game was terrific, I think. And she just had a mentality. We talked a little bit off air about how some of the players don't yet look like they want to be there. And hopefully that will come. But for Lisa Devanna, she absolutely looks like she wants to be there. She absolutely looks like she's playing for a Matilda spot in a Tokyo Olympics that may never happen. But yeah, for me, that that was the very best thing. And, you know, one of Lisa Devanna's most recent bests as well. Eric? I think I'll draw on the same game, maybe eight or nine minutes afterwards. And I think, nice goal, but also I want to highlight, I think, the player who might be one of the most, I feel is one of the most underrated players in recent W League history. So Amy Jackson, um, 
for, for Melbourne Victory's fourth goal, picks up the ball, strolls through the city formation, one two, neat one two with Molina Ayres, and another neat left footed finish eight minutes after Lisa Devander's finish. Yeah, Amy Jackson's a terrific and really versatile player as well. I think she's slotted in pretty well after Nat Tatham had um, been injured last week. So good to see Amy being able to pop in there. Dale, did you have a favourite goal of the round as well? There there were a few. Grace Ma, next question. <laughs> yep, yep. I, I, I feel for Georgie Worth, um, but like... You know, she knew what she was getting into. It was a, it was a really good um, piece of play by by Ma to to look up and see her off her line. But I mean, as I said, Worth probably should have known that that they were playing with a howling gale behind their back. Um, and having seen the first goal, um, then you know it's it's tough in a, in a in a as a keeper, especially as a young keeper, you're always told to kind of you have to be involved in the play. Um, so like when I was um, keeping, you were always told like you have to stand on the outside of the 18 yard box. You have to be ready um, to receive the ball at any moment, and that was kind of a long time ago uh, when kind of passing keepers were only just a thing. So like a lot of keepers will stand on the out- eight, like the 18 yard box. Um, but yeah, there's again same as last same as last Canberra's goal last week. Like there just wasn't much she could do about that. She's it was really catch 22 for her. Um, but again great for Ma too. I mean, like she only scores bangers. She scored that like half field goal in the MPL as well mm-hmm. against, was that against Northern Tigers? It was. Oh dear. Yeah. She loves a long range goal. Our Grace Ma. It's just reminiscent of the 2015 um, world cup final where Carly Lloyd was just, you know, scoring yeah. out there. And, and so it's good to see that Grace Ma has watched that game and just recreating it for us. So that was good. It's Molly, terrifying you- to think that like <laughs> that Grace Ma scored, Grace Ma played in a grand final six months before that game at the age of 15 <laughs> at Canberra. So, you know, obviously she was uh, taking notes from a young age. Yeah, good to see. Molly, how about you? Did you have a goal of the round? And maybe you followed up with a save of the round as well. Okay, um, I'm going to piggyback with goal of the round. I think Lisa Devanna, um, I mean, she created a bunch before that point, but that solo run was just, you just wanted to throw your hat down and celebrate. You know, it was just, it was, it was brilliant. Um, and my save of the round very nearly could have been goal of the round where Perth's goalkeeper... Um, saved Emily Condon's uh, half folly. Was it a full? It was a half folly, and it was going right for the top corners. And she somehow reached up and punched it over the bar. And I still don't know how you can react that quickly. But I was very impressed, and I was also a bit upset because I wanted to see Condon score an absolute screamer. But it was a screamer off a save, so totally worth it. Hey, weird question off the back of that as well, because last season wasn't the keeper for Perth Glory. Eliza Campbell. Where's Eliza yes. Campbell this year? We have asked this question in our Sydney group chat. and We have no idea. Been. Yeah, it, it will be... I, I hope she turns up in NPL New South Wales somewhere in a couple of months. But other than that, it's it's tumbleweeds, unfortunately. It's, it's, it wasn't... It, on, the, on the Campbell situation, because Northern Tigers goalkeeper at the end of the season was uh, Claire Quelio. Yeah. Wasn't... It was... Campbell before that, and then she got injured, and they brought Coelho off the bench to play like the last half of the season. So no, I assume that there's there, there may be reasoning behind it. 
not a yeah. bad player to bring off the bench. No, no. I mean, she didn't really help when they got four put past them by a very good university team in the semifinal. But yeah, she's a she made a lot of really good saves in that game too. Dale, any save of the round that you would call out from round three as well? Um, Gabby Gatton's double save against City um, made a close range save and then dived on the ball in traffic, which I thought was really brave. Um, she's a bigger keeper, uh, Gatton. Like she's she's quite uh, she's not as tall as say like a Casey Dumont, but she's um, she's like physically imposing in the box and she's not, she's not scared to hold her own. Um, but still, it doesn't matter how big you are. If you go in at feet like that, like you're asking to get kicked. So um, big ups to her for the first save and then jumping on the, jumping on the rebound was, um, was really brave. And you, Eric, um, I didn't, I'm actually surprised that Dale brought up a, a save from that match where we saw six goals. But anyway, six goals just from Melbourne victory. Eric, did you have a save of the round that you would call out? Um, not one, but there were a few from Canberra's young goalkeeper, Sally James. I think she, I imagine she'd be disappointed. She seemed to be a bit flat-footed for the Katrina Gori goal after three minutes, but she recovered very well, some crucial saves. And in the end, as... Um, Dale has covered earlier with the Grace Mask screen run, which I called in last week's pod. Um, she, it ended up being very vital because Canberra remained unbeaten. So, you know, good to see a young goalkeeper recover from, well, not an error, but uh, a slow start to the game, shall we say. Yeah. I've been really impressed with her so far this season. She's one of the youngest keepers in the league. And she's been, you know, she's been doing quite well. And again, a player who's playing behind a, a 16-year-old centre-half who's, again, been more than holding her own. Is Sally James in young Matildas or, or junior Matildas territory? Uh, she may she may have spent some time with the future Matildas program in Sydney. Lots of people have. I, I feel like I've seen her on yeah. Instagram because that's how, that's how I know who's in the program. You never, you never, yeah, it's the Wonka chocolate factory. You never yeah. know who's going in or coming out of the, the, the future Matildas program. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't it they they played a game against like the didn't they play a game against the Jets or something like that? And we we had to wait for like somebody to post a picture on Instagram before we knew who was in the future Matildas. So like they're, they're a shadowy cabal of very talented footballers. Yes. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to do a, a deep dive expose yes. into the social media accounts. Welcome so. to Future Matildas Anon, my <laughs> new podcast. I, I think Lockie's got college Matildas. We'll yes. just. Um, yeah, make, make some other little account there. So let's talk about the first match of the round, which happened on Thursday between Brisbane and Canberra. I'm going to throw directly to Dale. He's, it's not a hospital pass. He is looking. He does know it's coming. So lead away, Dale. Um, I, I was impressed with Brisbane's endeavour, but I was not impressed with their end result, um, I think is the easiest way to portray my feelings about this game. Um, I think that they... They're still the the point that we were making, as you were saying, Shez, about players not looking like they want to be there. That, like Brisbane, these these guys, well, these players have been together for donkey's years, and it's just they're somehow not making it click. Like they had two third, they they had almost sixty percent of the possession, and twenty two shots to thirteen against a travelling Canberra team, um, in what was very kind of out of character conditions considering what Canberra used to playing in. Um, and they just, 
they just couldn't hit the switch. Like Gory's goal at the start was a really was I think really good because I think that's what the game needed. That was what we saw against um, uh, the, the the game last week, the the Canberra game last week, where the game went on and on without a goal, and then eventually um, Heyman scored that that goal, and kind of City had to come onto them. Um, there's the same kind of thing with Brisbane in this in this game. Gory's first goal really opened it up, which was really good. Um, I've been pretty impressed with Jamila Rankin and um, Izzy Dalton in the Brisbane team, but I have a lot, I still got a lot of questions around Emily Gilnick. Um, she just she, she just looks really out of character. It like I was talking to um, some friends about this game and they were surprised about how she had managed to score like seven or eight goals in Sweden only about three months ago. She just looks a completely different player. Um, really liked Rosie. Really liked Rosie Sutton starting, and I've I've got so much time for Letitia McKenna. It's not even funny. Um, I think she's a really skillful player, but um, the long. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but like the longer the Brisbane went without a goal, the more that Canberra looked like they were going to either score or win, um, because this game felt like it was never going to end at one nil. Um, as I said, Canberra didn't really have a lot of attacking opportunities. I think, as I said, they, they only had 13 shots. Um, but once they, they're a team that I feel they play really good, quick counter-attacking football, but they also play really well down the flanks. They've got those two very talented flanks. You've got Satchel and Folletta on one side in this game. And then you have Keir, who I thought was fantastic. Um, she made, uh, she made Brisbane's, I think she was marking Hecker and Gilnick for a lot of the match like made them look like park players at some points. Um, you've got her and Flannery down the left and then you had Kulazakas kind of roaming around, Heyman dropping deep to get the ball as she usually does. They just looked really polished. Um, this Obviously, Canberra's still top of the league. We'll probably come onto that later. But um, yeah, just this was, this was a game that really could have been like three all. Both teams had enough opportunities to score a number of goals, but as I said, the, the longer this game went on, the less it looked like Brisbane were going to win it. Um, I think a draw. I think a draw was fair in the end. Uh, but yeah, Brisbane next week. I'm not not sure who Brisbane have next week. But yeah, as I said, um, they de- they need to have a look in the mirror, in my humble opinion. Just Brisbane have the week question. off, so never mind. <laughs> Just a quick question from me because I know nothing about the game, but Ma- Michelle Heyman is leading on the goal scoring. Um, she at the moment, which is really early days, I know that. Did she look threatening for goals as well? Are, are they really focusing on Heyman to get the goals or are they spreading it around a little bit? Obviously, like victory, six different goal scorers from their game. I think, I think like Heyman has the ability to play as both a target player and as a hold-up striker. Um, so like she's still quick enough to get in behind defenses and that the ding dong battle with her Carol and Polks um, in that kind of triumvirate in the middle of the field was really good. Carol and Polks did really well, kind of one staying one going to go and step into the uh, kind of the breach between the six and the central defenders um, to stop service to Heyman. Um, but it doesn't necessarily look a lot of the time like she's being played as just, it's not like, 2012 Sydney FC when it was like just kick the ball to Del Piero and hope he does hope he does something good, like they they're working her into the attack and that was like if you take the the Hughes goal for example, 
Heyman being there affects the defense. She's not necessarily the target, but she'll draw those tar- she'll draw those central defenders or that defensive midfielder out of position to allow extra space for those players to get in between the lines. Um, Kulazakis, Satchel, and Flannery on the flanks, who who have kind of been switching between the three of them, they don't necessarily just try to get to the byline and cut it back to Heyman. Yes, that would be a fair tactic, but also like Heyman's, she's no better in the air than a lot of the central defenders are now. So. Um, I don't think necessarily they're targeting her and just saying all of our attack has to go through Heyman. She's dropping back more intelligently to involve herself more, um, which is good for, I think, everybody. Because as you say, it can't be... You can't have a situation like Larissa Crummel when Melbourne City first came into the league where she scored like 45 goals in one season and everyone eventually figured out, oh, maybe if we let them let the rest of them score goals, they'll all be happy. But yeah, um, not necessarily a point player but um very involved in the attack molly what did you think of the game was it a a fitting game of the round as it kind of looked like on paper apart from the melbourne derby (laughs) yeah i think i think um in terms of entertainment wanting to watch if entertainment it was there i mean the wind was always going to play a factor and it did with both goals and um that kind of also made players shoot from deeper than what they perhaps would and some of them are scarred, but some are, some of them are nice to watch anyway. Um, and yeah, I think I mean that that battle between the veteran defenders and, and Michelle Heyman, like you can't you can't turn your nose up on that. That's that's what you want to be watching, and that's why you tuned in. And it lived up to to the hype. I think all three of those players can take a bow, and they had a very good game across the board. So yeah. And then finally, Eric, your thoughts on that game and then you can lead us straight into Newcastle versus Sydney. I think when I I may have gotten a bit carried away with Canberra's form in the last pod when I thought they'd win fairly comfortably, I forgot I forgot to take into account the rigors on on W League players are playing in way into state game on Thursday night. I think if anyone of our listeners are familiar with the NFL, it's like an old saying just don't tip the away team on Thursday night. It's it's a very difficult thing to do. And it, it did look that way for large parts of the game with um, Gorey's early goal. But I think Canberra, it's um, kind of back to the Canberra of old that they always look like they're in the game. Like you can, you always have that sense of like Taylor's referred to other people and the rest of you. But you know, it always felt like they were in the game. And you know, with the players they have and the players that they managed to get to come home. But that, that's going to be a very hard team to, you know, keep quiet for 90 minutes. So that's really how it proved. Also, I did like, I did like that um, in the official stats, Grace Mars goal assisted by Jessica Nash. So, yeah, that, that's good for my sheep boys. It's, I'd, I would have loved to have seen their beep tests at the start of preseason and the end of preseason because, like, they are just running teams into the ground. Um, they've had what well, all of their goals have been in the second half. More than half their goals have been after seventy-five minutes, I think. So, you know, full credit to the fitness team. And and if they keep this up, it's one of the big things in the W League is keeping not not necessarily just healthy but fit. Yeah. So I, as I think I said earlier, I was uh, lucky enough to get up to the Hunter Valley on a lovely Friday afternoon for Jets versus Sydney FC. Uh, one of those ones. It was definitely an arm wrestle. Newcastle Jets, they're you know, a very hard-working side. Ash Wilson's got them 
you know, working pretty well as a unit made certainly made it difficult uh, for the Sky Blues. And I think that was encapsulated by their first goal where the Jets won a set piece and just kept it alive long enough. And eventually, you know, Sophie Harding knocked down. Tara Andrews has it six hours from goal. She'll never miss. Um, I think we will add post-match or uh, post-match press audio from Ante Juric where he said, I asked him, do you change anything? And he said, no, we weren't good enough. We just needed to be better. And so, yeah, this, that, the second half, I think that's what proved. Great strike by Taylor Ray, you know, um, off the cutback from Courtney Vine. She doesn't get many, especially with a left foot. So I thought that was that was a really good thing to see from Taylor Ray, especially as she's now, I think, playing in maybe a more advanced role. Then certainly I'm used to seeing her play with for teams like Football New South Wales Institute. And just gradually, Sydney FC turning the screws and then, you know, Rachel Lowe, that was a great goal. And I think it's, it's kind of a bit of a shame that when we did our goals in the round, no one has mentioned either that goal, Taylor Ray's goal, or Katrina Gorey's goal. I mean, we certainly were a sport for choice. Um, Rachel Lowe coming off the bench, she seemed angry when um, she celebrated. Like, the camera cut to her, and she, she wasn't really celebrating that much. Like, you know, maybe she thinks she should be starting. I'm sure she'll get a chance. But yeah, it was a case of that thing that a lot of champion teams often do. Like it's it starts, it doesn't start well. It's awkward, but they just keep pushing and they do just enough to get the victory in the end. So I think, I think while Sydney FC probably deserve to get the three points, the Jets are also a little bit unlucky. Yeah, I, I have to agree with what Eric said. I mean, one of the things that I noticed about uh, about Newcastle was that they, I feel like they. They work really hard, but they tend to struggle to contain teams. Um, that's one thing that I noticed when they played Wanderers. And, and again, in this game, um, it, Sydney scoring really looked inevitable. Um, and that's not because Newcastle have poor, like a poor defence. It's just that Sydney, as you said, Eric, were just slowly suffocating them out of the game. They, in my opinion, they had a stonewall penalty not given in the first, in first half injury time. Um, I can see why it wasn't given because of where the referee was. Um, but like that was a stinker. That was that was one that the, the assistant should have probably flagged, but that's you know, that's the way that football goes. Um but yeah, as you said, the the longer the game went on, the more Sydney looked like they were just gonna s- slowly push Newcastle back down their own end and eventually um they scored two quite handy goals. I did I did as you said. Um, was he? Was it that you said Mackenzie Hawks and Mackenzie Mackenzie Hawkby got the uh, the assist for the? No, it was actually with this oh, is Courtney Vine. Yes, that's team right. yeah, team yeah. because Courtney Vine was my captain for this round. She's got she's got one genuine assist, and she was credited for the assist for the Rachel Lowe goal after yeah. Mackenzie's Mackenzie Hawksby's pass flicked off her heel. Yeah, I'm hit like, her in the leg. At the same time, that is ridiculous. Dubious goal panel. Please look into yeah. this. Um, <laughs> But yeah, as I said, I think Newcastle, um, they're really there or thereabouts. As I said last week, like they've really impressed me with, with how well-drilled they are. Um, Rihanna Policina could like kick somebody into space, genuinely. Um, she has just got an absolute rocket on her. Uh, and she's just got, like at the same time, as I said last week, like very, very good with close control. Um, but again, like Tara Andrews can't score four goals a game they've they've got to find where they've got to find somewhere where more goals can come from i, I really like tyra andrews playing in that point role but yeah um i think they've, they're, they're there or thereabouts but there's still a little bit to go 
I think what we can see with the round four at the moment is that Newcastle Jets are going to come up against Canberra United. That's not to say that's locked in concrete. It may, yeah, who knows? At that'll, this point. that'll be a real test for them, I think, coming up against Canberra, who really are the form team at the moment. I mean, Melbourne Victory have definitely come out with a big win, but Melbourne City definitely not looking like they've connected any of the dots yet. Molly, did you have any final thoughts on that game? And then after that, if you can throw us into Adelaide versus Perth. Yeah, look, Newcastle had me nervous at least at halftime, which is a long time to be down 1-0. Um, but I think they're, they're looking really good, which is great. I think the competition's always better with a strong Newcastle Jets team. Um, and again, I think it's been a problem that's played them and a few other teams throughout the years is just having that goals where, where do you find the goals? And, you know, um, that's, that's a problem that hopefully they can, they can find a solution to at some point this season. And, you know, Sydney just brought out the experience, but if you can annoy Teresa Polias, it means you've played a pretty good game and she was annoyed at at large parts, which was good to see um, in some respects, but also, I'm personally happier to see her happy and with a win win under the belt. Um, and moving to the Adelaide and Perth game, I mean, it was one of those games almost difficult to watch because you weren't sure if there was going to be a goal. Um, and, I, and both teams had chances. Adelaide, I mean, Adelaide, there was a great save in the first half with Condon. I think that was just unreal by, I think it was the young New Zealand goalkeeper, L starts with E-L. No, no one's got me. Lily Alfield? Sorry? It's Lily Alfield? Yeah. Yeah, yeah she, was, she was great for, for Perth. So that's a really handy pickup for them. And um, I mean, it, it showed that it was Perth's first game. Um, you know, if it had been the pair's first game, would it have been Adelaide 1-0? I'm not sure. Um, and penalties are a nervous way to win it when it's Adelaide because you're just never sure if they're going to score it. And when they do, apparently there's a hole in the back of the net. So the ball goes straight through that. And even the commentators are left wondering if that was actually a goal. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, Weber missed a couple sitters. I thought Crane, she looked really lively. I don't know how whether she's got the goals to back her up, but she looked really lively, which is a good thing to see and it'll be great to see a link up with a few more of the young players that came off the bench. I mean, Perth's bench was just teenagers and um, you can say a lot about it, but they were great to watch once they got on the field as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, Adelaide and early win under the belt's always a good for, a thing for Adelaide. Uh, that's kind of what they need, that confidence boost. So hopefully they can go with that and for Perth it's not not a massive loss and it could have been in some respects had you know Weber been able to score a bit Rojas was unreal with the feet with you know just she played a bit more centrally than what we're probably perhaps used to and I think she really thrived in that position so that'll be fun to watch her for Adelaide into the future and yeah yeah as you said I mean they've they're they're lucky um, Perth in that they've got Two, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure on their goalkeeper Bennett. I haven't seen any of her yet, but I've seen like and and um, Molly, you would know this as well. They've got Miranda Templeman, 
uh, who's their, I would assume their, their main backup goalkeeper. She's been um, in and around the squad in some Yeah, respect, and she's yeah. she's been at NTC, if I remember correctly, last season in um, MPLWWA. Um, so, like, she'll she'll know the players that she's playing with. Um, but yeah, as you said, their, their goalkeeper had a had a, I mean, I wouldn't say a blinder, but she she had a she had a great game. I again the penalty when it was given, I was really surprised by it, but I really wasn't as surprised as the player that fouled uh, that that committed the foul. Uh, that the Perth player, I can't exactly remember who it was, but it looked like their dog had been shot. Uh, so that was deeply unpleasant. Uh, but yeah, as I said, I think Adelaide um, they showed that they can play. When they when they came up against Canberra, um, and they to get to get a result at home is really good. Perth will just need time. Um, we we've all seen how good a coach um, Alex Aparkas is. Uh, so yeah, I, I I have faith that he'll he'll be able to turn them around. Maybe not next week, but yeah, going forward. I found the Perth Adelaide game hard to it was hard to assess many things. I think the conditions were a big factor, and I I did look at the forecast for Perth before uh, we started recording. And unfortunately it does look like it's going to be similar temperatures in Thursday at Dorian gardens. Hopefully it's a little bit cooler so there can be uh, more football. And also I think it's all been covered just how the, the various difficulties Alex Aparkas has had, you know, just building a squad. Um, case of Adelaide, Gemma Crane looked very energetic. I think once again, it really links, everything links back to cohesion. Once, you know, they get used to playing with each, with each other. Um, she'll be able to link more with the runners coming from midfield. But, I mean, the, the, for now, the energy was very impressive. And I think she really, Gemma Crane really caught the eye. And Adelaide, I think, yeah, just this is a case they, you know, well, we don't really need to speak about their history in the W League. They need, they need early wins just because uh, it's just generally, they just generally tend to struggle and then fall into a quagmire some seasons. So good good to get the three points. And they definitely got something to build on. And luckily for them, although I have spoken about the difficulties of Thursday night away games, it is against the it is against the same opponent. So they should definitely be confident for Thursday night. Cheryl, I think you've been waiting for this for pretty much the whole day and well ever since full time yesterday. So why don't you lead us off by talking about the Melbourne Derby? So, so the question is, isn't this the game that everyone wanted to see? Like Melbourne City, I don't think, and, and I should have done my research, but Melbourne City have not been beaten by this much before. It was right. their it was their la- it was their largest defeat. That's correct. Yeah. There you go. So look, I've been a fan of Melbourne City since they were um, first joined. You know, I think they've really contributed significantly to the football landscape in Victoria and I think across across the country as well. I think it's been good for the W League, but I think being able to see Melbourne City um, not be served up, but to see the other teams come back at them, it's been fantastic. When we look at Melbourne City, of course, we have to acknowledge that the impacts that... Um, of COVID, particularly in Victoria, where we didn't have any football and they've, you know, got a number of players from there. They've got, they they certainly had a couple of good players with their squad. And it's really interesting looking at the stats because that's the only game that I watched. So I didn't have my brain foggy by any, anything else. And you would think that victory just ran all over them, which they did on the scoreboard. But you look at the stats, City had more possession. So 55 to 45%. 
I think when they had possession, it was probably not as in um, not as attacking because certainly in the first half, victory were pressing quite high. So when they turn, even when they turned over the ball, that would still put um, City not necessarily in a terrific position to take over the ball anyway. Uh, City again had more passes. Their passes were effective in terms of, or their accuracy was pretty good. So it's it's really interesting to look at it from that perspective. So I think Rado is probably getting some of the elements connected together. And, and Rado did say in a, in a pre-match p- press conference that he's expecting it to come together by round five. I mean, you guys know, and I know that round five is is pretty much the it's getting close to the halfway mark. And that just means that every other team is already, you know, hitting, hitting really their, their peak form and, and city might be just coming through with it. So it's an interesting story to look at the stats and not just the scoreboard. I think for me, it was terrific. I mean, we already talked about Lisa Devanna's goal, that being my favorite. I think the other favorite that I have, they're all favorites, but you know, there's a book, they're all my favorites, I think it's called, but Catherine Zimmerman getting, um, so she scored and she's new to the W League. So for me, that's really exciting to see a new player being able to contribute in, in the W League as well. Um, yeah, I, I just thought it was a great match and, and I've had my concerns, sorry, by great match, I mean great match for victory. We've had our concerns about W League probably this season, which is really, really a challenging season. But when you look at some of the quality matches that you guys have all talked about, the other three matches, and this match here would have been fun for the spectators to watch, at least from a victory perspective. So, yeah, I think victory show that they would play the whole 90 as well. And I think that's another positive thing because sometimes we do see teams that, you know, they get close to the end and then if they take the foot off the accelerator a little bit and then other teams can come back, you're not going to come back from 5-0 or 4-0 down in the 90th minute, but it's good to keep that foot down and it's good to see a couple of goals towards the end. Kyra Cooney-Cross was awarded the player of the match, I believe, she did have a great game. It's really good to see her being influential in the midfield there. Um, but for me, I would have said, to be honest, Lisa Devanna was player of the match. I think her role has changed from, and it's not just this season, it's been in seasons gone by, but also in the Matildas matches, that her role has changed from being that, you know, kind of number one goal scorer, which she lost that handle to Sam Kerr a little while ago, but she's very much the creator and she's very much the person that is dragging other players out into different areas. So, you know, she's feeding those, those shots in from, you know, the left and opening it up for other players. So yeah, that's, I don't know. I, I was happy. I was excited. Melbourne victory back, back in the game and, and Melbourne city didn't look, I know Dale probably disagrees with me. I don't think they look terrible. I look like they look like they're getting some of their shit ready. Um, and you look at the players that they've got and on paper, I think um, Kane looked pretty good. And I think, is it, I'm going to get the name wrong. Was it Winters? Uh, Withers was a centre forward. Yeah. So I think they did have some good elements. They had Alex Chidiat came back Um yeah, I mean, th- there are some good parts to it. Anyway, I'll I'll stop my my um my rant and I'll throw to Dale and and you can tell me all about it as well. Uh, it, it is it is interesting how you bring up the point about possession and 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 one thing that Melbourne City has tried ever since they've been part of the City Football Group has been 
um, keep as much of the ball as possible and bore us to death. Uh, and that's not necessarily just the women's team. That is the men's team as well. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a lot easier in, in my opinion, at least in the WE to pass teams out of the game. Um, but this game really, it's, it's a, like, there's a funny old saying nine, you know, possession is nine tenths of the law, but this game was like possession was not meant, you know, nine tenths of nothing. They, Melbourne city could still be there and they wouldn't have scored. And we're recording on Monday night. So uh, it, it's, it, it was just testament to me to how well they were coached, uh, Melbourne Victory. They were coached spectacularly well um, by, by a friend of the pod, Jeff. Um, and it, like, as I was saying, you, you, look at this, you look at this Melbourne City team and over the grand total of the game, um, Harriet Withers only had 44 touches. And that's... Um, as a, as a 90-minute striker. Um, Kira and Kane both came off. Um, both of those players had less than 40 touches. Like, if, if, if your goalkeeper and your centre-back, and, and Vlainich as well, Vlainich got a number of touches through the game, like, but they were just so sterile in possession and so unimaginative. Um, the, 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 thing that, the thing that amazed me was I, I, I'm on the W League side at the moment, and I had a quick look at this earlier today. But like their heat map for touches throughout the game, there's their their average sorry their average position for players throughout the game. Only two of them are forward of the center circle, and that's um, Holly Palmer who didn't play the full ninety minutes, I don't think, and Harry Withers. And effectively, Withers ran around between the center halves, uh, victory center halves, trying to win the ball, um, which is good because that's her job. Um, but yeah, they were just completely played out of the game. Um, victory were ruthless. Every time they looked like every time they went forward, they looked like they could score, um, and that was really typified for me by um, the Devana goal. Um, like some people say that Jen McCormick is still at CB Smith Reserve looking for Lisa Devana, um, and she may be there for several weeks to come because Devana is not coming back. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought that victory was superb, and and I think I was I'm very harsh with my out of ten ratings. Very, I'm very ruthless. I am the French newspaper of this podcast. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of twos and threes. They they just weren't great. Um, but yeah, victory up in the finals. My little predictions are coming true for the season. So I'm a happy man. Uh, my sheep plays team does not look too good though. <laughs> oh, well, that um, I, don't, I don't even know what to say about those twos and threes. I mean, <laughs> I look at the glass half full and that they all did really well and they'll come back better next week. But Molly, did you have any um, top thoughts about, were, were you happy to see Melbourne City learning from the other end of the spectrum? Oh, maybe just a touch thanks to, you know, final series in the past. Um, but I think just on Lisa Devana, I don't know how she didn't, get that player off the match award, that, that baffles me. Um, I think it was one of the early goals where she, it was for Longo's goal and she just found the space and Longo made a great run. There's, there's no doubt about that. That was a very clever run, but just finding the pass, weighting it properly and so then it doesn't reach the keeper. That was just, I was upstanding, standing, clapping at that. It was just an oh, oh my God moment. That's just beautiful. Um, no matter what level that is, it's it's a great great assist. Um, and you know, I think I think City, I think 
obviously they're they're far from the polished product. I think it'll come down to whether Rado's a great coach or whether he's had great players lifting him. And you know, I, I hope it's that it's he's a great coach. Um, but if that's not the case, maybe City need to rethink how they approach the next few seasons until Matildas and internationals can sort of start coming coming around. Uh, but having said that, I think you know this season it was always going to be hard. They've they've looked to the NPL a little bit as well in the past for their for their youth, and they've not been able to do that this season uh, in Victoria at least. So I think you know it's it's going to be a tough season for them, and hopefully once they set out sort out their defence, whatever problems that is, the three backs just not working, or they need to shuffle it either or they can't they can't play it the same way that they've been playing it because it's just they're getting murdered so um, especially with another derby on the cards this coming round so I think you know it's either they're gonna have to change the playbook or they're gonna get ripped apart again possibly for double figures if it's you know it's the same team they know how to beat them now so you know I have to say we would all hate to say that (laughs) Eric, what are your thoughts? Do you think, um, I mean, two questions here. Do you think Melbourne City defensively, they've got some good players in there. You've talked a lot about Tori Tumath in the past before. So we know that, you know, she might be learning to play in the W League, but she's definitely got some, you know, the the skills and the game generally. So can they put it all together? And if they can, when, when will that be? And on the flip side for Melbourne victory, do you see them as real title contenders, you know, in these early days after round three, but they've only played the two matches, I think? As for Melbourne victory as title contenders, I think it was a bit great win. We might need to see them play against a slightly more functional team before we make some kind of judgment. Although they did, they did take their chances ruthlessly. And Jeff Hopkins, it is 100th game. Congratulations to you, Jeff. Yeah, congratulations. Um, it would be pleased to see four goals after the 70th minute. In the conditions, it'd be easy to say it's two, it's we're winning 2 0, we've done enough, let's pull up stumps here. And that's something I've done in my NPL TV commentary many times when I felt I've done a good enough job in the first 60 minutes. But um, they, they really finished, they really wanted to make a point, and they certainly did six times. Um, now, oh, the other thing I said, he. With the second goal, it was believe the one that was eventually tapped in by Molina Ayres, it yep. was a sign of how aggressive they were and how much they victory pressed City high up the field. That the interception, it's at the back for City, and the interception actually comes from Angela Beard, who's seen the opportunity. It's come all the way from left back to intercept it. It goes to Devanna, back to Beard. Her, she's unlikely to see her shot safe. She could have gotten the score sheet, and then Ayres is there for the rebound. So, um, I think Jeff Hopkins clearly seeing that City had um, perhaps struggled a bit with playing out from the back in the first two games, and they, he definitely wanted to take advantage. <sighs> now, as for City's back line, um, I've been thinking of an analogy that's a bit out there, but just bear with me. Um, Looking when I to think this. of great um, centre-back uh, central defences, while you definitely want communication and leadership to come from everyone on the field. Generally speaking, there's a superhero and a sidekick, or to use a 90s TV analogy, there's a Xena and there's a Gabrielle. Now, if you use Sydney FC as an example, Ellie Brush is Xena and Natalie Tobin is Gabrielle. And there's nothing wrong with being a Gabrielle, 
Gabrielle's are very valuable, but you do need a Xena to kind of lead things along. I love this. Yes, I, th- I thought you would, Molly. <laughs> Melbourne City look to be a team with three Gabrielles in central defence. And one of them, it doesn't matter who, can be Jenna, can be Sam, can be Tori, one of them needs to pick up the chakram, do their best Lucy Wallace impersonation and lead Melbourne City out of um, this messy situation they're in at the moment. So yeah. I've been good. working on this all day. As you Impressed. I'm glad that you're doing so much work at work. <laughs> oh, this was my day off. Oh, is- good. You have an excuse. I, I want to see Rado bring this back to the team and explain yeah. it to them just like this. I think that'd be terrific. It would be. I mean, we've 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 spoken to Rado in the past, and Rado is a lot like you know everyone's uncle. So I would like to hear sixty-year-old uh, Rado try and explain the concept of Xena Warrior Princess to his <laughs> very young charge. Um, the point that you make about Tori is something that I've I've kind of spoken about in the past about Melbourne City, and and Eric and I spoke about this off mic earlier in the week. Um, but like, it's, it's, it's to me, at least as an observer, I don't know what, I obviously am not party to what's happening at training, but to me as an observer, it is absolutely criminal that they're hanging such a young player out to dry like this. Um, she's only 19. I know that's a very good song, but by Red Game. Yes, I think so. Um, but you've got two experienced, you've got two experienced players there. And, and there's just a, a lack of willingness or ability to, for those two experienced players to step up. I can't see how you can be playing um, Tumith as the central defender in a, th- in a back three when she's played effectively as like a, a kind of, God, almost like a libero in, in the past where she's been the one to go forward. But like, there's just been no support and no communication and no leadership from anyone in that city back line. And I think that- we have, sorry to jump in a little bit, when we have a look at Tegan Micah, how, you know, she started off the season was terrific in the number of saves, but, you know, those saves were, were coming in part because they were getting, being able to penetrate through the, that defensive line as well. Yeah. Do we look to Tegan Micah to say, we need your experience, and she's got different levels of experience than someone like Lydia Williams, but we need your experience to be able to call out and manage your troops as well. And as a goalkeeper, that's that's part of your job. And Tegan Micah is a very talkative goalkeeper, which is really good in this situation. But as a keeper, at least in my experience, you're kind of you're more looking like left to right than through like through depth perception. You're more kind of marking mentally marking players one by one, as opposed to trying to zonally mark your three central defenders. And I think that's the other problem. For some reason, they they look to be trying to like zonally mark through the middle and then man man to man or player to player mark outside the three. So you've got like this this weird like just mark space area just outside the the penalty area and the D, and then the rest of the team is marking one on one. So then as soon as they get into this kind of like vacuum in front of the central defenders, one of them goes and then there's they're just standing there with their arms open like now what now what do we do like there was a there was a situation where tory uh Tumith came out and then johnson and and mccormick because they're not playing as a central two they're too wide to then cover that space so the pass just goes straight through the middle and they're both looking at each other like well what are we meant to do well, it's like one of you has to take charge either you have to push Tumith forward and play her as an extra like pivot in midfield or you have to stay much tighter 
and then bring your wingbacks in and have them mark instead of all the way out on the sidelines, you have them marking on the edge of the box. So it just, and like, I'm, I'm not a pro licensed coach or anything like that, but like I've only watched 180 minutes of this team and it's so obvious what the problem is. And I know that they've got players coming back, but like, this isn't rocket surgery. It's really not. And, and Molly, the point that you were making earlier about like Vidasic has had an up and down career as a coach and they were far and away the best team last year, but they were also far and away the best recruiters last year. And now that he's lost this much talent and the MPL Victoria hasn't kicked in, like it, he, he looks, it's the blind leading the blind at some point. And man, did they get caned on the weekend? So hopefully they can turn it around. So we've got um, the turnaround happening effectively this week as well with um, a reverse match being played. So Melbourne victory, and oh, I've forgotten where it's being played, but it's not being played at the same venue at the very least. Apart from what Dale has already told us, what else changes to potentially get City back in the game, Molly? Um, I think shitty app, really. Um, you're hoping that, She's had a bit more time to settle in. I don't know what day that game is, but I'm going to guess it's on the weekend. So she's got another week another week to settle into Melbourne life. Um, so I think Shidiak's sort of someone that you're going to have to turn to and really hope that she can be that missing link between having possession in defence and moving that forward and making that uh, some good possession moving forward. Um you know, I think I think they've got some exciting players in the front line. I just they're not getting enough of the ball. Um, and if Checker's back, then she can't be back soon enough. I didn't think I would be missing Checker, to be honest. But I really am missing seeing her. I think she's at least someone who will stand up and take responsibility. And that's kind of what that back line needs, is someone who will stand up, take responsibility and be happy to do that and check her you know she did that last year she played that role quite by memory she was very central for most of last year and she did that really well so whilst you know I love seeing Tori playing at that experience I think that's probably a move that I would put checker there and whether you move Tori into the midfield or whether she's on the bench I don't know but I think they need checker back probably more than Shidiak getting on the field uh, FYI, it's at Epping on Sunday afternoon. Isn't it meant to be like screaming hot this week in Melbourne as well? Uh, it was really hot today, 38 degrees today on Monday yeah. that we're recording, but I think it's back down into the 20s tomorrow and jumping back into the 30s. It's yeah. Melbourne, right? It might be 30 degrees. Who knows? And then it's 20 degrees or something or other. Yeah. Um, speaking of replays, I suppose, so that's a round three, round four reversal. One of the other matches that we've got is Sydney against the Western Sydney Wanderers, which is a replay of round one when... Uh, Sydney defeated the Wanderers 3-0, I think it was, with Princess Sabini scored two goals in that one. Eric, what are your thoughts on that replay and do you think it'll play out much differently to that round one match? I don't see anything other than Sydney FC getting the three points at Homebush on Saturday. Um, the Wanderers looked, I think they looked good in their game against Newcastle in round two, but Sydney FC, I think as I've already covered, um, they're the, they, they've shown they're the kind of team that can win where they're perhaps not playing their best or at least they don't start a game in the best manner. And I think just judging from the way Ante Juric spoke in the post-match press, right, he'll make sure that this week they're on it from the opening whistle 
Newcastle, and I think Sydney FC should win this one comfortably. Fun, fun thing about this game, aside from the fact that it's being played at Stadium Australia, which now does not have a naming rights sponsor, uh, which makes me very happy. Uh, it's also the, the late game. So uh, the men's game is the curtain raiser for the W League. Yes, that is sensational. Which may, oh God, that means that, okay. I'll have to have a few less sports drinks before I come up to the press box, but that's all right. Oh, life goes on. No, but it should be good. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, if I remember correctly, last time these two teams played at this venue, uh, J.O. Wyman tried to Cruyff turn Lisa Devanna. Correct. And it did not, it ended as you would expect when you try to yeah, Cruyff. It, well, well, I mean, Wyman didn't get injured, so it was only kind of 50% of what I would have expected. But uh, but yeah, as I said, this, this, should be, uh, this should be really good. I really hope... Um, I'll be there um, as a as a fan of the Sydney men's team. I'll be there, um, you know, in cap and scarf and and all that jazz. Um, but I really hope that a lot of the the Cove and the RBB turn up um, and 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 hang around for two main reasons: a, it makes getting out of the train station a lot easier if we don't all go at once. Um, but b, it's it's just cool to hang out and play. You know, watch the watch the women go around, especially afterwards. Um, it's a really it's that's one of the things that I like about these double headers is that it really makes it feel like a club as opposed to just you know an unneeded appendage um, as some men's fans think that the women's team is it's it's really about bringing the team together Sydney had a triple header last year I think they had a game at like 11 two and then five um, no, it was crazier it was like it was I like, know because the youth played at like nine o'clock that's right yeah yeah now, yeah I stayed for all three and because I'm that type of person also, you are. I'm like, people in the country that actually is interested in the Wiley. Yep. But um, it was just, yeah, that was, it was a lot. Yeah. I can imagine it would be, but um, I, just going back to the, to the Melbourne victory game, uh, well, to the Melbourne Derby, I, I want to give a big shout out to um, the Melbourne victory fans. Um, Cause Melbourne's ultras turned up um, Nomadi and uh, M3. I think were there. I don't know if Horta were there, but like they brought their banners and they made some noise and that was really good. And you saw Molina is celebrate with them. Um, it's one of those things that I like about when they don't play games at Lakeside because the pitch is so far away. Um, but yeah, that was really cool and uh, more power to them. I was a little concerned about that celebration as well, what with the COVID restrictions and whatnot. And I mean, we're only touching hands. We're not germaphobes or anything yeah. like that. But I wonder if there are any regulations that they call out for that. Well, kind of- I mean, they're not in a bubble. This is what happened like when we went, when we were at Parramatta, like they, they just brought the coaches up to the press box. They're just like... Well, just just talk. Just be, you know, socially distant. But, yeah, it was... Uh, look, at least you didn't jump into the crowd. <laughs> yep. Um, Molly, I don't know if you've got any final thoughts on that match between Sydney and the Wanderers, but I'd also like if you can add your thoughts about that. Another rematch between Perth and Adelaide, obviously. Perth not travelling too far just to Adelaide and back again. Of course. I mean, I mean... Uh, Sydney, Dar- Sydney Derby is always fun to watch, um, particularly with Lena Karmas playing whatever side she's on. Um, so I would love to see a Karmas goal, but I'd like to be, see Sydney two or three ahead before that point. So that's just my prediction for that game. Um, and potentially a goal from Vine, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, I like that Sydney are leaning into Vine time. It's, it's another great. thing that has come out of the W League fan sphere that is just being leaned into by the general populace. Definitely. Yes. And I think uh, Perth Adelaide, I mean, it's another rematch. 
uh, quickly, more hot weather's expected, short turnaround. Um, it'll be whoever can score goals, which obviously is for every game, but I don't think either either team are scoring machines at the moment. I mean, they've got some really exciting players that could turn a game on, on their head, but that's just getting that final finish, which Adelaide really, really struggled with last time round, um, even though they had enough chances. Uh, Perth at home, you know, you've almost got to back them just because they're at home and uh, Adelaide are the ones travelling midweek. Um, but it's definitely not down and out. It'll be a tight game. It'll be it'll be an interesting game to watch, I think, um, in many respects because both teams will be wanting to win this uh, to get them into a good spot on the, on the ladder, really. Um, yeah. And then the last match that we have of the round is Newcastle against Canberra. I think for me, Canberra are the, the form side and I'm, um, I'm thinking it'll be a really interesting match, actually. Canberra will be travelling again and I, I think that'll be to Newcastle's benefit. But, yeah, if, if I look at that match, I think Canberra have just got some really good opportunities, you know, Every single one of their players, or okay, maybe that's a bit bit of a stretch, but their players are playing well. It's not just one player that's playing well, and they're relying on that player. And if they have a bad game, and they're they're in trouble, they've got players all over the pitch who are, who are you know delivering. And if one player is not doing well, then you've got a couple of others who are really going to lift them up. So I'm going to go into prediction mode now as well, and I'm going to call out my predictions. For all the games, and then you guys can shoot me down. So I'm going to say Canberra are going to win on the road. They're going to beat Newcastle. I think Melbourne Victory will continue their winning streak against Melbourne City. Sydney are going to take the points against the Wanderers. And I think Perth will actually turn the tables against Adelaide. I don't have too much of a problem with that, to be honest. Uh, Perth, Sydney, Canberra and Victory for me. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I'm going to go with a draw for Perth-Adelaide just just after the last game. I feel like it's going to be nil-nil or one-all. Um, you know, Sydney can't can't go against them at the moment. They're, they've got a good good run run happening. Can't go against victory again. I mean, it's a replay of the other week. They've found goals, which they couldn't do against Brisbane, their first game. So they're, they're surely a shoe-in. Um, and look, Newcastle could do an upset, but I think Canberra are just too strong. Uh, as as you were saying, everyone's sort of hitting their form at the moment. So go go green. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to copy Dale, but unfortunately, I can't see anything other than the four things he's predicted. That's why I I just think it would be Perth, Sydney, Melbourne victory, and Canberra. I'd also like to predict some goal scorers because after getting Grace Marwright last week, why not? So, Gemma Crane to score in Perth versus Adelaide. Remy Steamson to score against the Wanderers, which I would love to see for many, many, many reasons. Uh, Polly Doran to score in the derby because because she kind of looks like one of my favourite NPL New South Wales players. That's really all I have. And... In homage to uh, Blacktown superstar Ashley Croft scoring the last time Canberra went to Newcastle, I am tipping fellow Blacktown superstar Jessica Nash to get her first W League goal in the Hunter Valley on Sunday evening. Uh, I don't know how this is going to happen because she doesn't even go for corners, I think, but uh, she's mature. She can work out the details. 
<laughs> Sounds terrific. Um, so one other question as well with Alex Apakis. How long has he been out of quarantine and really working together, do you think, with the Perth squad? And that's one of the reasons why I've actually picked Perth to, to switch around the result this time because I, I do rate, and, and I haven't seen a lot of Alex, but I, I kind of listen to Dale and I kind of listen to Eric and, and I always listen Terrible to Terrible ideas. <laughs> but you guys really talk up Alex. So I'm thinking that he should be able to deliver some goods. I know it's a tight t- turnaround, but yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, I think, I think he came out three weeks before the start of the season. Um, okay. They were definitely working. That would, that would make rough sense. Cause he would have gone over when they announced that the, te- when the comp was starting, uh, that would have been after the end of the, uh, end of MPL, so yeah, I'd say probably two weeks, two weeks, three weeks before the season, enough to like the team would have been already like gotten together and being like being you know going through the motions, but he he will be coming in and and being the brains of the operation. He's a, he's a very smooth operator, and uh, I think that like if 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 it's the Alex Apakis that Eric and I and most of the NPL New South Wales uh, watchers would know. Like he would have spent fourteen days in quarantine watching WLA games. <laughs> Good on him. Um, and the other thing that we've got is Brisbane Raw have a buy, and I think that probably or possibly couldn't come at a better time for them when they can really focus on, you know, some of their finishing, some of the, you know, they've, they've got they've got the right elements there in a way, but maybe they need to work on some of the mental part and some of the finishing. So that I think that'll be really good for Brisbane and to see how they come back out of that. I just don't know who Perth is going to play in the next round because they've already played Adelaide twice. I wanted to quickly have a look at the FAWSL and I know the gang are probably looking at me thinking, Cheryl, why do you want to talk about the FAWSL? There was only one game, There were, but there was only one game and we did see Sam Kerr feature in it. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to throw it on maybe Molly. But I, I think a couple of the key things to talk about is how much they're being impacted by COVID. And we talked in a pod a couple of weeks ago, I think it was about the ethics of um, sports in these kind of in, in this era, in these challenging times. And there's been a lot of commentary in the UK about, or in England, about players who have gone off on a little, you know, respite during the festive season and it's come back to haunt them a little bit. And, you know, that's where it does impact the human side of it as well. These players should be allowed to have a bit of a break and for that mental um, regeneration and stuff. So that's, that's one bit. And the other two big important bits of news that are coming out of the FAWSL is that Alana Kennedy and Emily Van Egmond have both signed permanent deals. So with Tottenham Hotspur and with West Ham United. Um, so I think that's terrific news for them to make sure that they've got that continuity of where they're playing. Molly, any thoughts from you? Um, I mean, you know, the uh, WSL is in, in a tricky position, much, much trickier than the W League perhaps although probably not the same border controls that we that we have to deal with. So slightly different situation, but definitely tricky. I think I read on somewhere on Twitter, someone commented going, you know, the season was cut short last year with when their first wave. And, you know, now it's, it's impacting England a lot more. So why are we still playing the season? Yeah. I think that's a really good question to consider when, um, you know, whilst most of them are professional, there's a number of clubs that 
are still not quite there. Um, and then you go into your bubbles, you go into the support with that. And um, I'm not quite sure what goes on in all the clubs, but you've got to think just in terms of money, pure money, even the clubs all play that out very differently. Um, I think Casey Stoney showed she's once again a wonderful human being by being the first manager who I think there was definitely one United player who went to Dubai, but there could have been others, who knows, uh, who who was in that full contingent. But, you know, she fronted up going, yeah, these were my reasons why I let them go home or whatever. You know, there's players who went back to Germany, to Spain for their family for holidays. You know, it might have been an oversight, but that was my decision. I thought she she dealt with that very well and sort of showed how it should be whilst a lot of the other clubs just remained silent. Um, and it's, again, a matter of the FA. Are they putting the same rule with everyone, you know? Um, I think there's a bit of controversy controversy with Birmingham's game with whether that will end up being a postponed game or whether that's a forfeit. Um, and that's kind of one to keep an eye on. But, you know, it's, it's again, should, should the competition be running at all? It probably should go into a bit more of a hiatus than the Christmas break with how rampant COVID is in the UK is just... My yeah. opinion, whilst I love the game, it's just healthy, it, health first. It, it seems pretty bad. And, you know, the other thing that Molly probably, if I'd given her a little bit more airtime, would have talked about is the tossing of the coin as a potential option to um, clear the backlog of the fixtures as well. Dale, I don't know if, if they were to do a coin toss to you know, get the results of, you know, if W League had a backlog of fixtures, which we're not in that situation and thank goodness we're not, but it just seems so completely random that, yeah, I'm not convinced that it's the right way to go about anything. I mean, the, the good thing about a coin toss is it means that Melbourne City could get a result. Um, but anyway, the further we go away from there, um, the point that Molly was making about like, the, the players going to Dubai and like players getting rinsed on social media for that kind of stuff. Like they went, a lot of those players went for sponsored, like for work. Like they're not going over there to gallivant around. I know that um, I have a feeling that she's out injured at the moment, but Amandine Henri was in Dubai recently um, at around the same time for what I believe is, was a, was a sponsored trip over. And to my knowledge, like there were, there were some of those Arsenal players that went over and they were on, they were on a work, it was a work trip. Like, yeah, they might have gone out on the palm or whatever, but like, you know, they're over there doing, making their money that they're entitled to do in in the best of situations. Um, the the point that you make about like the backlog of games, I'll be honest, they're in real trouble. Uh, like, they're talking about one in five people in England having COVID. Um, it there's no way on God's green earth that they should be playing these games. I don't understand why the Premier League's playing. I don't understand why the FA Cup's going ahead. Um, it's not that hot in the UK. I know it's a very different kind of heat to what we experience over here when we when we play games in a summer competition, but there's no reason why they couldn't be postponing this by four weeks. Like, they really need to start getting this under control, um, not necessarily from a sporting point of view, but just from a human point of view. Like, thousands of people are dying a day and we're trying to talk about a football competition. Just really need to kind of get our heads out of the sand and realise how lucky these people are to have this kind of profession. Um and further to that point that Molly was making about the professionalism of some of these clubs, like, yeah, they are all professional, but there's a big difference between the professional professionalism at a club like Bristol city 
where they play at a relatively small ground, like the championship team plays at a relatively small ground versus somebody like Arsenal or Spurs, where they play at a multi-billion dollar facility. Um, and, and just the, the commercial realities of that being, being kind of flowing down to the women's team. Like, yeah, they can go into a bubble if they're at Chelsea or Spurs or City or wherever. But like, we kind of have to, you kind of have to have a bit of professional courtesy for your fellow player. Um, it, I think everybody obviously is competitive and everybody wants to win. But at the same time, like I would rather if I was say like the Villa Arsenal game that was called off this week or the, the Birmingham Tottenham game that will potentially be called as a forfeit. Like if I'm Spurs, like I want to be playing against the best team or I don't want to be playing at all. Um, I think they just kind of need to put health first and, and, if look, just put like three weeks aside, whether it's a nil all draw for everybody or whatever it is, or the games are called off, the games are called off. This is bigger than football. Alrighty. You're absolutely right. It is bigger than football. Eric, can you lead us out, say goodbye to this, um, this episode of the pod with some, you know, happy polished news about, I don't know, either the WSL or something else that you've seen in football, because it is really, really challenging. And I think part of it is about, you know, I remember being in lockdown in Victoria for a long, long time in Melbourne and it was really, really hard. Um, yeah. So if, if there's a positive light to it, can you spot it for us and share it? Yes, I do. So while we're um, glad to see, you know, obviously we're well engrossed in this, fascinating W League season. It is good to see some clubs already looking ahead. So in the NPL New South Wales competition, RPL like I have already announced, I do believe, seven players for next season, which was which is I mean quite impressive, especially because they, I believe, announced five of those players before the Jets announced um, any of their players, which I mean that's another story though. Um, but so and uh, some pretty big names. So um, confirmed with Apia for next season. Tegan Allen, Georgia Yeomandale, Princess Abini, Deborah Ann Delaharp, Tori Tumuth, Rihanna Policina, and Elizabeth Rolston. So all of that, well, now now with um, uh, Deborah Ann Delaharp playing last weekend, they all have W League experience. So um, it's great to see Apia that they, they really do take the time to take separate posts for every single player in both their first grade and reserve grade squad, actually. So them, them, and also um, while we're on this note, um, shout out to Nick at Northern Tigers, Nick from Beyond 90, of course, who does the same thing with the Northern Tigers squad. So fans of the NPL New South Wales competition, stay across um, socials for both RPL Leichhardt and Northern Tigers. Cause I mean, what I've said, what I've, there's seven names I've said. Um, yep, that's big names. That's just the start um, for both clubs. Yeah, you'll see. Eric, for the uninitiated, who is the coach of Apia? Ah, he's Spencer Pryor. Oh, Spencer so, Pryor, of course. Yeah, good yeah, question. He's taken over for this season. Um, women's football fans will um, know him best as Tash Pryor's dad, right? I, I just assumed that, but he is Tash Pryor's dad, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yes, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Also, um, former so, former head coach of Thailand. Thailand, yep. yeah. Yes, it's yep. uh, and former Premier League player. Yeah, former uh, Derby County. I remember. Remember? Yeah, or and maybe Coventry City. City possibly? Yeah, Coventry possibly Leicester, maybe. Yeah, one, one of those teams. Yeah. One of those teams that was bad in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> Dale, have you got any final thoughts, or what are you looking forward to this week? 
Uh, I, uh, I'm really enjoying the, the news that's coming out of uh, the, the NWSL regarding uh, the new team that's going to be in Los Angeles, uh, Angel City Football Club, which um, is a very imaginative name. Um, but this week, uh, I did notice that they're kind of linked with a Los Angeles football club who play, who are like the new black and gold team who play in MLS. Uh, and they put out a range of Korean merchandise because there's a massive Korean community in LA, uh, a quarter of a million Korean Americans uh, who were made famous in like the, the LA riots. There's those famous photos of the Koreans on top of the sh- shops um, protecting them. And obviously that community has grown and grown and Koreans love their football. So we might get to see some uh, Korean players over in uh, Angel City, hopefully in the, uh, in the coming years. That sounds awesome. And Molly, any final thoughts or, or good news or something that you're looking forward to for the week ahead? I think um, it's the Tasmanian League should be known who's going to be in the uh, what's our NPL, which is called WSL. Um, with hopefully that means Launceston's in the in the comp, so that'll be two teams north of Campbelltown. Which, if you're from Tasmania, that's very important, unless you're in Hobart, which is where most of the teams are based out of. Um, but you know, there's, there's lots going with that. So I'm just crossing all my fingers and toes that the people in charge have made the right, right decisions with that. Um, and hopefully, hopefully all the players do well off that as well. Well, thank all of you for joining us on the pod this week and thank you everyone for listening to us. I'm not going to finish with a, um, a thing that I'm looking forward to, but off the back of what Molly's just said, I, I'll just leave everyone with a question that maybe we can talk about next week as well. When will we get a full home and away season and when will we get our own W League expansion teams and will one of those be in Tasmania? <laughs> Homework for next week. All right. Homework. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you next time. Bye. So, Ante, I mean, you never like to go behind, but it's great to see a comeback. Uh, did you change anything at halftime or feel the need to? Uh, we had a stern talk, but we didn't change tactically outside of uh, uh, the subs with Rachel O and uh, Alira. But it's good to change the game a little bit for us. I thought Rachel was good. But we did score a minute or two after halftime, which made it a lot better for us. Um, but, yeah, we just weren't playing the intensity we have to play. And that's probably the only thing which I've made sure they knew about. Um, the impact of those subs, how much did you think those, you know, Leah and Rachel, the like, how much did they change the game for you guys? Yeah, I think Leah did a similar job to Remy, so she's still getting her fitness. But Rachel was the difference, not that Taylor played bad, they're just very different players. So Rachel gave us, Taylor's excellent in terms of shifting play around, but Rachel's more of a direct player, so she definitely added in terms of that. Um, so it's good for us to, as a coaches to be able to you know, pick and choose kind of players who are different to change things, and she definitely changed it. Um, and Alira, she did a good job. Um, you know, uh, so did Remy, but Alira came in and she's still trying to get her fitness, but she did a good job. Okay. Oh, what, what are your thoughts on Newcastle as opposition? Obviously, they weren't that successful last year, but they put up a, a real good fight today, didn't they? Yeah, everyone's going to be solid. Um, you know, even Wanderers, you know, sometimes people get carried away, we beat them 3 0, but. It's a close game, you know, so a bit of magic from Premier. Same as here, I knew it would be tough. That's uh, what I spoke to the girls about. And if you don't show up and put everything into it, you're going to struggle um, 
with teams because we're so even in a lot of ways. So, you know, we're a team that's all youngsters and yeah, they're double league players, but you know, it's like yeah, you know, so are they. It's it's no one uh, in terms of foreigners or big internationals. So it's going to be tight. Uh, we just need to put our best foot forward from the first minute rather than wait for the second. And, uh, Charlie Rule made her debut today, which is great to see. Um, what is it about her specifically as a player that made you decide to bring her into the squad this year? Uh, where do I start? I've had Charlie for about three years, mm-hmm. so I saw her as a 13, 14 year old. So mm-hmm. the same as another girl we've got now who's 14. Mm-hmm. So this, if I see a decent player like that, who I think is going to be a, again, I don't want to put the mock or pressure on her, but she'll be a star, in my opinion, and be close to Matilda very soon. Um, she was just a very skinny girl a couple of years ago, now she's starting to fill out and, and be strong. So that's why we signed her this year. She's smart, uh, very intelligent, technically superb, probably one of the best in the team, um, technically, as in passing and, and vision. Uh, the only thing that'll hold her back a little bit now is the physicality, but now she's ready to do that. Uh, she's not at her peak, she's still obviously young, but she's strong enough to compete. Um, so she'll have a big impact this year, and yeah, I'd like her for a long time. We'll finally manage to get her on the yeah, because Charlie was a train on last year, last season, was that Yeah, she trained on, she's been trained on for like I said, three years, um, or two, two, definitely two, and I think I brought her in once or twice when she was a 13 or a 14 or something like that, so, so she's been on the radar for a while. And um, what's the status of Claire Wheeler? Are you able to divulge, like, well, could we expect to see her soon in the squad at least? Uh, she should be okay for next week. Mm-hmm. Um, again, she's she's a player that will make a huge difference for us. Um, just, it's, the thing is, when... It's a good thing for me, but when we keep winning, uh, the girls I keep sort of behind them, so it'll be tough for Claire to get in initially, maybe next week, but um, she's definitely ready to play now, so we've just been uh, taking it slow with her. She's had a few complaints with issues in the legs, and mm-hmm. you know, we don't want to risk her, so yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see for next week, but she's ready for next week. That's good. Coming in today's match, were there any key players from the Jets that you were looking to focus and target? We don't target really teams, um, but they've got good players, so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more, we knew it, them as a team would be physically very strong and I thought they bullied us, which is the word I used, where they just physically were on us and we didn't want to buy it. So again, having a chat to our girls, they changed that and they did well. But they've got very good players like Tara Andrews. Uh, I tried to bring her over to Sydney FC, I think, two years, last year. Um, so they've got good players, they're solid at the back, uh, it was simple but good job. Um, so they're dangerous. So the wingers are quite good as well, they're quite quick. Um, so at times, yeah, they're dangerous on the break. So, but we just know their spirit, and Newcastle have that spirit. Um, and again, that's why I was a little bit upset at half time because we showed them such disrespect by not matching that. Um, so yeah, but they did well, and uh, they're going to cause problems for a lot of teams. Nice, uh, nice strike to equalise as well, straight after half time. Yeah, it was good timing, good strike. The second strike was good too. It's it's important. They, you can see they were, you know, a little bit taken aback because of the way we sort of went. We didn't play awful in the first half, but it just wasn't us. Um, but they pressed even from the first minute of the second half. There was actually probably the, I don't know if it was the second goal, I was gonna say it was goal, but okay. But uh, it was, yeah, just nice football. Um, did well, Vine started attacking a bit more, and then uh, Taylor's for technically very good as well. She picked the spot, and then Rachel Lowe, obviously, for the winner with a similar kind of uh, action to get to goal, and for the finish. So they're very happy. Both finishes were actually very, very good. Uh, look, very disappointed with the, the result. Um, to be honest, it, it wasn't our best game. Um, I expected a lot better with the ball from our girls. Um, yeah, too many cheap turnovers. 
too many lost battles, uh, but we still managed to come in into the halftime 1-0 up in spite of probably not playing our best football. Um, so yeah, very disappointing to concede in the first three minutes um, and then concede towards the end. I suppose particularly the first half you've done well to, to hang in, there's you know, a lot of play up that half and you, know, you didn't have the ball for a long time. Yeah, look, we we got into a lot of battles that we created ourselves just probably through our poor execution of passing, um, turning into players when we didn't need to and, and, and poor positioning at times. Um, so, yeah, look, to, to come in at the half-time, being 1-0 up after having that kind of a half uh, was was a positive thing. I, I sort of said, you know, obviously you've, you've done well enough to, to get in front from not your best performance. Um, but unfortunately, we weren't able to to, uh, I guess, lift to the level that we needed to to protect that lead. Do you think that Tara Andrews free kick was going in? <laughs> I was slightly off my seat. Um, <laughs> look, if anyone's going to score from there, she's she's the one that's got the ability. So it was, yeah, it looked like it looked close, but obviously no. Um, and players to impress from your eyes today? Oh, look, Tars was always solid up front. She probably needed a little bit of support. Mini, um, Rihanna Policina had a um, strong work rate again today. She probably didn't get on the ball as much as she did against the Wanderers, but her work rate off the ball was um, was fantastic. So probably those two for me. Opposition-wise, yeah, Princess is uh, certainly a handful to uh, yeah, to deal with. Yeah, look, I think I think Brewer and then Tess did a, did a good job of sort of nullifying her today. She didn't have nearly as many opportunities as she did against Wanderers. Um, but obviously, um, a couple of uh, left left players on top of the box, not dealt with, and um, just positionally, you know, not not been able to deal with that. So um, yeah, I, I, th I thought the girls did all right with with Prinny today, um, but they obviously had lots of other threats all over the field um, that made it challenging at times too. Um, so these two games and two losses. Do you think this is going to affect the team's morale and how you're going to kind of, you know, push them forward out of these two starting matches? No, the, the girls, um, the girls are good in terms of this is not something that's going to get them down. I'm, I'm hoping this is a catalyst for them to, to keep pushing to get better because they have high standards of themselves uh, as, as we have high standards of them. And, and obviously the things that we've seen on the, on the training pitch um, show us that they're capable of a lot more than what they've, what they've given in particular today, um, I thought against Wanderers, particularly after the first 20 minutes, we were probably the more dominant team and we, I think we had something like 22 shots to nine. Um, so it's there for them. And I think, again, something like this is, is just another, another push to, to be better. Um, so that's the expectation of the response I want to see. Um, and, and if I don't get that, then you know, we potentially will see some more changes. Um, with your back line today, Brewer coming back in at, at right back and Tess coming off the bench and looking pretty pretty solid off the bench and that option to maybe play Cass in midfield long term. Do you know how your back line is going to look? Is that something you're going to maybe play with? Uh, look, it's something that we've we played with. Um, you know, I had initial thoughts when I took the season and started, uh, but different players impressed me in different positions. Um, and to, have a, to be in a position where Tessa Tamplin is coming off the bench um, as someone who gives you so much going forward, um, that just shows the level of depth that I think we have as a group. Um, and obviously, you know, Brewer having that experience in the back line um, 
so yeah, look, it, it, it's something that potentially will be looked at. Um, see how the girls pull up and see how this weekend training goes.